Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you are joining us midweek. Today's message is part 20 in Pastor DJ Ritchie's Sunday evening series on Galatians. This message was given on February 28, 2021. We want to encourage you to join us in person at one or all of our services. Our doors are open Sunday mornings at 10.30, Sunday nights at 7 o'clock, and Wednesdays at 6.45. If you have not yet subscribed, please do. When you do, you will receive a notification each time we post a new message. It will always be up to date. We hope this message would be an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. So grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get into it. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5, and while you're turning there, I want you to think about something. What good is a bag of seeds that never gets planted? What good is a portfolio full of investments that you could have made, but didn't. Mark Twain famously said about 125 years ago, the man who does not read good books has no advantage over the man who can't read them. And how many times have we missed an opportunity to make a difference in our own lives make a difference in our family's life, to make a difference in the lives of our church or our community. One of the most bitter pills to swallow is the pill of a missed opportunity. When we realize what we could have done, what we would do over if we could. But of course, as someone has once said, there are no second chances. No second chances. But... Many new first chances. And so Paul says in Philippians that we need to forget the things that are behind us. We don't want to live a life anchored by the regrets of missed opportunities. But we do want to strain for what's ahead. We want to press toward the prize for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so tonight as we look at Galatians chapter 5, I want to show you some things uh, that Paul gives us concerning a life that will impact our families, a life that will impact our church, a life that will transform our futures. But there's some seeds that are going to need to be planted. So we are in chapter 5 again of Galatians chapter 5. We are entering into now the final section of this book. We've been so far in this book for 19 messages. If you're just joining us for message number 20 here, we are starting this last final section. The book begins with the favor of God, living to please God, not people. And it moves from the favor of God to faith in what Christ has done for us. Galatians 2.20 is the heartbeat verse of this uh, great epistle 
I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who gave Himself for me. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you confess your sin to the Lord, when you recognize that you are a sinner, damned on your way to hell, but that God loved you so much, He sent His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When you realize that Jesus Christ died for your sin in your place, that that God the Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised Him from the dead, that the Son of God is alive, that He has paid your sin debt, that He offers you forgiveness and eternal life and hope and peace with God. That when you place your faith and trust in Christ, you receive the grace of God and you are born again. And you are now alive in Christ. But that faith needs to continue throughout your life. We need to live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, Paul says to the Corinthians. And so faith is about experiencing the freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for us. And we spend a number of weeks talking about the freedom that we now have in Christ. But freedom is really about possibility. It's about the things that you are able to do. It's about the things that you have the liberty to do. But what good is it if we don't do those things? What good is it if we don't plant those seeds that God through His Holy Spirit has provided for us? And so, I want to pick it up in uh, Galatians chapter 5. If I can find the book of Galatians here, I've got all the wrong bookmarks. In there we go. Galatians chapter 5. Let's pick it up in verse 13. Uh, We'll do a brief review of last week in just a moment. But I want to remind you where Paul begins to talk about this fruit. And we'll finish out the chapter beginning in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, unto freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to the one another, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Notice Paul does not say that when you get saved, you will no longer have to struggle against lust. He does not say when you get saved that the fight is over. The fight continues and it rages on until Jesus returns for you or He calls you home. And so we are at war internally, constantly. But, verse 18, if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. Seventeen, he rattles off, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If your life is characterized by those things, if you can do them without conviction, if you can do them without the discipline of God the Father on your life, Hebrews says 
chapter 12, God's not disciplining you. You're not truly His. You're not truly a child of God. You're an illegitimate child. You're not truly God's child. You have not yet truly been born again. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. In other words, if you've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. It's not you, it's Christ living in you. And so, yes, you still have the battle. Yes, you still have the struggle against the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But those things in your life no longer have power over your life. You're not... Uh, bound to serve them the way that you were before Christ came. They, they don't have the power that they claim to have over you anymore. So Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. See, all Christians live in the Spirit, but not all Christians are walking in the Spirit. Tonight we want to show you how you can walk in the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's take the leap and let's use our freedom to see God transform us by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. And tonight as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, I want to show you some facts that Paul lays down for us about the fruit of the Spirit so that we can understand what it is, we can understand how it works, we can understand how by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we can see these things become characteristic in our lives. As we read through that list of sins that are obvious, should be obvious to everybody, uh, certainly those of us who are in Christ should know that the list that we just read, all of those things are evil, all of those things are marks of the flesh. Nevertheless, we still find ourselves struggling with those. We find ourselves struggling, if not outwardly, then inwardly. Remember, Jesus said you may not have actually committed adultery, but if you look on a woman to lust after her, Jesus said you have the heart of, adul of an adulterer. You may never have killed anybody, but if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, then you have the heart of a murderer. And so Jesus is not just interested in conforming our behavior. He wants to transform us from the inside out. And to do that, He has given us not only the Word of God to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, but the very Spirit of God to give us the will and the power and the ability to live out the fruit of the Spirit. And so let's go over some facts that Paul lays down about the fruit of the Spirit. What it is and what it isn't. What it is and what it isn't. Number one, the fruit of the Spirit is available to all Christians, but it is not automatic for any Christian. The fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is available, but not automatic. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that you must work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he does not say we work for our salvation. Again, as I've told you before, Paul is not saying that you have to earn your salvation, that you have to work for it. He's saying, you though, you need to work it out. God has given it to you, so work it out. 
use it. Now He has given you, Paul goes on to say in the next verse, He has given you the, the will and the ability, the power to accomplish His good pleasure. He'll, he'll give you that desire. He'll give you the ability to produce this fruit that we've just read about in your life. But there's some things that you need to do. It's, it's available to you, but it's not automatic. I like to tell you, like to remind myself, God will not do for you what He has commanded you to do for Him. He will give you the ability. He'll give you the desire. But you're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to make some sacrifices. You're going to have to make some decisions. And so, last week we talked about some things that we need to do. Uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time to uh, unpack these again. If you uh, missed last week and you want to go a little farther in depth, uh, the uh, video, the podcast are available online. But let's just very quickly review as we've read in verse 16, you need to claim that promise. You need to claim the promise that if I walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is a promise that God makes to you. You've got to claim that. You've got to believe that. If you think that this is something that is beyond you, you are correct. But if you think this is something that's beyond God inside of you, you are sadly mistaken. And He will give you the ability, and He can give you the power, and He will give you the power if you will claim that promise. Number two, we said you have to though yield to Him. You have to walk. And that word walk here in this verse, verse 16, means to complete the circuit. We talked about the fact that you need to recognize God as your Father to experience the freedom of God. That's why He's called the Spirit of Adoption. You need to be focused on the return of Jesus Christ that, that the true hope of righteousness is not what I do in the flesh here, but it's what Christ is going to do when I see Him. 1 John 3, verse 3, when we see Him, we will be like Him because we'll see Him as He is. And everyone who has that hope inside of them purifies themselves. That's what gives me motivation in purity. Not because I'm working for something, but because something has already been achieved for me and I'm, and I'm going to receive it and I need to live now in preparation for what Jesus Christ is going to do, that hope of righteousness. And Paul says the Holy Spirit is there at work in me to keep me focused on Jesus Christ and on the fact that He's coming back. And when He comes back, I'm going to stand before Him and I'm going to give an account and I need to live with that remembrance every morning, every afternoon, and every evening that I walk this earth. And then, of course, as we'll see tonight, we have to bear fruit. We talked uh, briefly last week about making the distinction between your body and your flesh. You have physical desires that God has built into your body. The flesh will use those desires against you. And they will turn those natural desires into sinful lust. But... Your flesh is not in itself evil. Jesus has flesh, resurrected flesh, but Jesus was born of a woman born with skin and bones. Your skin and bones are not in and of themselves evil. Now they are under the curse, and that's why we age, and that's why we get sick, and that's why things get broken, and that's why eventually if the Lord tarries, we will all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But your body is not sinful. So stay in the fight. When you struggle with temptation, when temptation comes your way, 
declare God's word, depend on his power, and then admit the obvious. Admit those things that Paul says are manifest. These things should be clear to everyone this, that these sins are sins. And, and what we like to do is we like to justify. We like to re- rename sin so that we feel better about it. But admit the obvious. And as we've already said, remember that fate of an unforgiven life. If, if my life is completely characterized by, by a, a number of these sins, and, and I don't have any conviction when I do them, and, and I don't have any discipline come into my life when I do them, then that's an indication that there are consequences, eternal consequences, that I don't truly know God, that I don't truly have Him as my Father. I don't truly have the Holy Spirit inside of me. But you can. If you'll call upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10 says, you will be saved. And if you admit that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ and that He's the only one who can save you, you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be forgiven of your sins when you trust in the death and the resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as the only and all-sufficient path to forgiveness, path to eternal life. By God's grace, you receive that forgiveness. You're born again and you can have the Holy Spirit and you can produce this fruit. So number one, the fruit of the Spirit is available, but it's not automatic. You're going to have to make some choices. You're going to have to make some decisions. Number two, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is predictable, not accidental. It's predictable, not accidental. You're going to have to choose it. You're not going to walk in in, in the Spirit by accident. You're not going to roll out of bed, hit that alarm, and accidentally hit your Bible and it's going to flip open and land on your face on the exact passage that God needs you to read for that morning. And it's going to read itself. Now, maybe you have a smartphone. Maybe you can program your phone to actually start reading the Bible. Maybe that would be a good way to set the alarm. Uh, every every morning with, with the, the the Bible being read to you from your smartphone or from your fart, smart your smart your smart clock, but God's not going to do it for you. It's not going to happen by accident. You're going to have to put some effort into it. It's predictable though. All lives are producing something, and what I planned in my life as we'll see again in a few weeks, Lord willing, when we get into chapter 6. What I plant in my life is what's going to grow out of my life. So you have the seeds for good fruit. You have the seeds for love. If you're you're a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the seeds for love, for joy, for peace, for long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. All All of the fruit of the Spirit, all those virtues that describe the fruit of the Spirit, you have them, but you need to actually be planting them i choose my fruit by choosing my sower that battle that wages inside am i yielding to the holy spirit or am i surrendering to the flesh remember your flesh is your default mode because we're born sinners we're born dead in our trespasses and sin ephesians 2 says so my default mode even as a christian is to satisfy my flesh That's why Paul says in Romans 7, even the great Apostle Paul, the things I want to do, I can't get myself to do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. But praise God, Paul says, Jesus Christ is at work. And in chapter 8, he specifies that it's through the person and work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ accomplishes His workmanship in me. 
So it's predictable. It's predictable, but there's some choices I need to make. I need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. That verb tense indicates a constant refilling. And the reason we constantly need the Holy Spirit to fill us is because we leak. (laughs) We're full of holes. We're full of cracks. We're broken in our sin nature. And so we need the Holy Spirit to continually be at work filling us. So let me just say a few things about this. The fruit of the Spirit uh, cannot grow when I operate in the flesh. They're at war with one another, Paul says, the flesh and the Spirit. So I am going to have to make a choice. I can't serve God and mammon, and I can't feed the flesh and feed my life with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have to make a choice. They're contrary to one another. Number two, the fruit of the Spirit cannot originate simply by my willpower in my mind and my emotions. can't be created only by my physical activity. I can imitate... I can imitate the work of the Spirit in the flesh. Some of us have been in the church for a long time. I've been a Christian for over 40 years now. I've, I've been, uh, I was born during a church service on a Sunday morning, and that's one of the only services I've ever missed in my life was the, was the, the morning I was being born. Uh, when you're a pastor's kid and then later on a pastor, that's, that's, it's pretty easy. You, you, know, you have a lot of accountability built into it. So I know how to fake it. I know how to, I know how to put it on cruise control for a while. And there were seasons in my life when I was doing that. Uh, but you operate in the flesh, you're going to reap what you sow in the flesh. Even as a Christian, that is true. You can't will it. You can't feel it into your life. You can't just act it out. Go through the ritual. Go through the motion. You have to depend on the Spirit to produce it. Number three, the fruit of the Spirit cannot be imposed externally. You're not under the law, Paul says. So I can't just set up a set of rules, which is which was what a lot of us like to do because it seems easier to us to have a system, a check mark, where I can, uh, I can make this set of rules for myself and if I do these rules and, and, and check these boxes every day, then I'm going to produce the work of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. It doesn't come externally. It has to come from within. It has to come from yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's the, Holy, it's the work of God in you, not the work of, of me trying to imitate God. My son put a Spider-Man mask on me today. And I did a little Spider-Man act for my wife, which my wife has saw it. I don't think it was on video, so you're not going to get to see it. But, but I was trying to make my son laugh. I was trying to make my wife laugh. I was wearing the mask. Wasn't climbing any walls. <laughs> Wasn't shooting any webs. Didn't have the power of a spider, right? I could act it out, but I couldn't, I couldn't make it happen. I was just pretending. And friend, you can pretend all you want. You can wear the costume. You can show up for church every week. You can get involved in ministry, and many people do, but if it's not coming from within, if it's not God Himself, and He will, but you have to yield. You have to surrender. You have to be willing to trust His power, not your own. The fruit of the Spirit cannot be imposed externally. The fruit of the Spirit will not be imposed by the Spirit. He's not going to force you. Now, 
we'll talk, Lord willing, in a, uh, maybe the end of April, beginning of May, when we start our uh, study of the book of Ephesians together on Sunday mornings. We'll talk about what God says about election and predestination, which is very different from what many people think that God says. The Holy Spirit is not going to force you. He tells us that He will allow you to grieve Him. He will allow you to quench His work in His life. You have to make some choices. Now that doesn't mean that He won't discipline us. That's different. That's a very different thing. But He's not going to impose. We're not just reading a script here. We're not just robots acting out some... some, um, book that God has already written on all of us and we're just pre-programmed robots. God has created us in His image. We have free moral agency. We have the ability to obey or disobey. And so you have to choose it. You have to choose it. And then lastly on this point, the fruit of the Spirit is distinct from a gift of the Holy Spirit. And at some point, we'll do a more of an in-depth study on the actual gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is something that God, it's a, it's a divine manifestation. It's the way that the Holy Spirit, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. It's the way that the Holy Spirit chooses. He equips you. He gives you an ability and it's a way that He works through you to minister to others. The gifts and the calling of God are, are irrevocable. That, a gift is different. Some people can operate in, the, in a gift of the Holy Spirit and not be really producing the fruit of the Spirit. It's true. So we need to understand that just because I'm operating in my spiritual gift doesn't necessarily mean I'm a very loving person or that I have a lot of self-control. And if we need any evidence, I mean, we, we have... Uh, tragically, uh, the uh, now uh, marred testimony of Ravi Zacharias is just the latest uh, in a, a long line of Christian uh, pastors and speakers and uh, leaders who have fallen into immorality. And operating in a, in a gift of the Holy Spirit in a mighty way, but lacking the true fruit of the Spirit. Guys, I want you not just to be... Uh, empowered in a gifting but to be living out the fruit of the spirit that's what's really going to impact people's lives i can impress you from a distance john maxwell says but to impact you i have to do that up close and the fruit of the spirit isn't just about a, a gift that we can use at a distance it's it's about getting involved in people's lives And we'll see that more here in just a second. So it's available, but not automatic. It's predictable, not accidental. It is, notice this, supernatural, not natural. The fruit of the Spirit. We're not talking about the kind of love here that any old person can express. That's not the kind of love. I I have some friends uh, who are not saved, who, who are very loving, We're not talking about phileo love. We're not talking about friendship love. We're talking about the agape, agape love of God. The sacrificial love of God that only God can produce. That's the kind of love we're talking about. We're not talking about peace that any human being can experience. Pastor Nick, uh, by the way, for those of you who haven't been on, on Wednesday nights lately, Pastor Nick has been teaching us about the virtue of peace. And I'd encourage you to 
Come out on Wednesday nights for Bible study and for prayer together. And especially this Wednesday night as we uh, afterwards get to vote on uh, our, our dear friend Emily, who's uh, been called to Cambodia and voting on taking her on as a missionary. But peace, on some level, man, even unsaved people can experience some level of peace. We're not talking about just human peace. We're talking about the peace that passeth understanding. That's a supernatural thing. That's a work of God. When you're going through a tragedy that would destroy you if you weren't saved, but because you are saved and because the Holy Spirit isn't working you, not only do you have joy that's unspeakable, the joy of the Lord becomes your strength and the only strength that you, can, that you have to get through that situation, but you have the peace of God Himself at work in you. That's what we're talking about here. This is supernatural. The flesh can only imitate divine virtues. True fruit is planted within our spirits by the Holy Spirit. It works its way out through our mind, our soul, our emotions, and it, and it ultimately gets out through our hands and feet. It affects how we minister to other people, but it has to begin as a work of God inside of us. Notice this also, number four, the fruit of the Spirit is singular, not plural. Now, when I was a kid, and God bless my teachers, and, and certainly I learned a lot about the fruit of the Spirit as a kid, but I was always taught that they were the fruits of the Spirit. But notice Paul is very clear here. This is the fruit. It's singular. The virtues are descriptions of that fruit. If I were to have an apple up here, we could describe that apple as red, as roughly circular. Maybe it would have a little green uh, leaf, a little stem on it. It's got a core inside. If it's a good apple, uh, I, I like the Honeycrisp, so it's not you know, quite red, right? It's, it's kind of a little multicolored there, but it's got that crispness and it's got that sweetness, but also got that tartness. And all of those things describe that one beautiful piece of fruit that, I, that I'm always buying because I love them and then I always forget they're in the fridge and my wife says, why do you keep buying these apples? You don't eat them. And I always forget they're there until I'm here and now I'm like, man, I wish I had one of those apples. You remind me when we get home, I'll eat one of those apples if they're still good. <laughs> All of these things are integrated together. The fruit of the Spirit is. Now we see that, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when the Apostle Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. See, if you're truly loving, that's going to produce a joy in your life. And that joy is going to create a peace in your life. A peace within. The word peace literally means wholeness in the Greek. I'm going to have that wholeness. That's going to help me to experience self-control. That's going to help me be kind to others. Kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven me. Paul goes on to say immediately that we're to be imitators of God as beloved children and to walk in love. See, if, if, if you're truly loving, you're going to be kind. If you're truly loving, you're going to be at peace. You can't say, well, I'm a joyful person, but then you're not loving. Now, I understand we go through seasons of life. 
We talked about that a lot when we were in Ecclesiastes. We go through, to everything there's a season. And so you're going to go through a season in life where maybe the apple doesn't shine as bright. Maybe you're not as joyful because of a grief that you're, because you're going through a time of loss. You're, you're, maybe you're going to go through a, a season where things are really difficult in your family and maybe expressing love is going to be difficult. But over the course of your life, if the, if the Holy Spirit is at work inside of you, all of these things, they're integrated together. All of them should be reflected in some way. And so if I have no self-control in my life, am I truly at peace? If I have no self-control, am I truly joyful? Oh, maybe I'm joyful in the human sense of joy, but if I have to feed my addiction or constantly satisfy my lust in order to act joyful, that's not the joy of the Holy Spirit. So if I'm truly supernaturally doing a work of God and, and God is doing a work inside of me, these virtues are going to, in some degree, not, not saying that you're going to be perfect in all of them, not saying that you won't go through a season where maybe you are struggling in one of these areas, but over the course of a period of, of time in your life, if you're truly producing the fruit of the Spirit, then all of these things should to some degree or another be growing up in your life. And that brings us to the fifth one. These things are visible, not invisible. It's fruit, not root. He's not talking about the root of the Spirit here, what you can't see underneath the ground. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus said, by their fruits you'll know them. So fruit is something that is visible in your life. James says in James chapter 2, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him, or literally that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Oh, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead. Being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. We're talking about visible fruit in our life that other people can see. Now, fruit takes time to grow. And so this isn't something that's just going to pop up in your life overnight. But if you're truly planting these seeds, the fruit reveals the root. Let me just walk through these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit very quickly for you. At some point, Lord willing, in the future, we'll come back to this passage. We'll do an entire series on these different virtues, and we'll do a nine or ten week series. But for the sake of tonight, what I want you to get is the, is the big picture view. I want you to get the overview of how these work together, because these are integrated. And so if I am uh, having a supernatural work inside of me, because of the submission that I am uh, giving the Holy Spirit, I'm going to, in some way, demonstrate love, joy, and peace. These three virtues reveal a transformed relationship with God. Now certainly, if I have a transformed relationship with God concerning love, joy, and peace, that's going to flow down to others as well. But again, the love that we're talking about here is a God love. It's Ephesians 5, 
1 and 2, walk in love as Christ loved us, gave Himself a fragrant sacrifice for us to the Father. We know what love is, 1 John 3.16 says, because He loved us and gave Himself for us, and so that's how we ought to love others. But it's only by understanding God's love for us that we're able to love others. We love Him because He first loved us. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace that passeth understanding, the peace of God, the wholeness of God, peace with God that leads us to experience the peace of God, as Pastor Nick has been showing us. These three reveal a transformed relationship with God. My relationship with God is going to be much, much different. And listen, it starts with Him. If I'm not loving Him, I'm not going to be able to love you. The first commandment is love the Lord thy God. The second is like unto it, but it's the second. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And so, a lot of people want to flip those. Well, I'm going to show I'm how much I love God by loving people. But see, when you make people your God and loving people becomes more important than loving God, then you fail in both of those things. C.S. Lewis said, you can't get first and second things by putting second things first. You can only get first things and second things when you keep first things first and second things second. He said it much more eloquently than than I just did. That's a, a rough paraphrase of what he said. But love, joy, and peace, they reveal whether or not I have a trans formed relationship with God long suffering gentleness goodness these three reveal a transformed relationship with other others because is there another way that we express long suffering better than when we're dealing with the people that we live with work with worship with shop with people require Patience. I require patience. You require patience. Because we're all sinners saved by grace. And we all, we all still fight that, that battle with the flesh. And we also get selfish. And I get, there's times when I get very selfish and self-absorbed and, and completely oblivious to uh, what my wife's needs are and what my son's needs are. And the Holy Spirit has to convict me and, and I have to deal with that. But if I'm truly producing the fruit of the Spirit, then that's going to begin to change. And I'm going to become more patient and I'm going to become more gentle and I'm going to become more good in my interactions with others. Faithfulness, meekness, temperance. The word faith there, really faithfulness. Meekness and temperance or self-control. Those three reveal a transformed relationship with self. I am now... My relationship with God is right. It's reflected in how I interact with others. And I'm maintaining that because God is working in me on me. And now I'm in control. And now I can be faithful. And now I do what I need to do when I need to do it in the way I need to do it. That should be visible. It should be visible in my life. And if it's not visible to me, if it's not visible to my spouse, to my, to my kids or to my parents or to the people I work with, the people I go to church with, then I need to back up and I need to 
start to claim the promise and yield to the Holy Spirit and make that distinction and stay in the fight and work, work that list that Paul gives us earlier on in the chapter. Number six, we've been talking about this. Let me just touch on it briefly by way of summary of what we've been talking about. The fruit of the Spirit is freedom, not bondage. The fruit of the Spirit, against such there is no law. This is true freedom. This is true freedom when you can experience peace with no one else that's going through it who doesn't know Christ could experience peace in that situation. When no one else could, could love that person. And you can't love them in the flesh, but God can love them through you. That is true freedom. That's true liberty. Number seven, it's ordered, not optional. It's ordered, it's commanded, it's not optional. You belong to Christ, Paul says, so you must walk in the Spirit. They that are Christ, verse 24, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the in the spirit you do not belong to yourself anymore you belong to Christ your time belongs to Christ your calendar belongs to Christ your checkbook belongs to Christ your energy belongs to Christ it belongs to Christ and he has graciously saved me but we lo- as we love to quote Ephesians 2 8 and 9 For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But let's not leave off verse 10, which says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Jesus said in Matthew 5, You're the light of the world. You're you're a city on a hill. You're not supposed to be hidden. I want the people in your life to see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, we need to make sure that we are obedient to the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, Paul uses a different word for walk here. It's not walk in a circuit. It's march in order. It's a military term. You need to see Jesus Christ as your Master, not just your Savior. And Christ's crucifixion and His resurrection have enabled us to live this life, and obligated us to live this life. And so as we close tonight, lastly, the fruit of the Spirit is selfless, not selfish. Look at verses 24-26 through again. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying another, one another. See, the fruit of the Spirit means and it's going to come out in my life when I submit to God, recognize that I belong to Him, I dismiss vain glory, I don't get consumed with, with all about me, my rights, my status, what people think about me, what people say about me, Listen, we all love that. We all need encouragement. But we shouldn't depend on the favor of men. That's the first section of Galatians. Remember back in Galatians chapter 1. 
Paul says in 1.10, listen, I'm not going to be a man pleaser. I'm going to be a God pleaser. So dismiss vainglory and seek to protect others. Don't live enviously provoking one another. Well, they got what I wanted. We talked about covetousness this morning. The destruction, the self-destruction that covetousness can bring as it did in the life of King Ahab. Let us not walk that way. Because the whole point of fruit is that it be shared. I love a good apple. I love a good orange. Uh, I love a, a good, I, I don't love all fruit, but I love a, a really good piece of fruit. I love strawberries, blueberries, raspberries. But when it gets left in the fridge for too long, as sometimes happens, because I forget it's in there, you would think, you open the, open the fridge every day, you'd think you'd pay attention to what's in there. I don't. I forget. Fruit that is unused will rot. God's not interested in producing a lot of rotten fruit in you. So He's going to produce what's going to be used. And so if we yield to Him, submit to Him, get our eyes off of ourself, and start serving instead of being selfish toward others, God will produce that love in you. That joy, that peace, that long-suffering, that gentleness, that goodness, that faithfulness, that meekness, that temperance that will transform your life, your family, your church, your community. Claim that promise. Let's pray. Father, we love You and thank You, God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, we cannot even begin to understand the greatness of the gift that You have given to us. But Father, how often do we not rely on Him? How often do we grieve Him, quench Him, put our eyes on ourselves, take our eyes off of Christ and God opportunities to transform our lives go miss God we get so distracted and so busy father help us to depend on you knowing that if we will obey you will bless we love you we thank you we ask this all in Jesus name amen would you stand and just bow your head in prayer we're going to give you an opportunity to respond if you have a need you need to talk to one of our deacons if you need to just come to the altar and pray you can make a decision wherever you're standing but we want to give you that opportunity right now you have work you need to do with God don't leave this room before you've made it Spirit, we thank you for the hope, God, regardless of where we have been, that if we confess our sin, you are faithful, you are just to forgive us of our, our sin, that God, regardless of the missed opportunities that we've had, we have new opportunities every day. Your mercies are new every morning. Father, we thank you, God, that you will begin to produce 
this fruit in our lives going forward, God, when we submit to you and yield to you. Father, thank you for that promise because we know that you cannot lie. We love you. We thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you do have a need, uh, I and the deacons will be here after the service. God bless you. dismissed. What another great message from Pastor DJ. I hope this has found you well and has made an impact on your life in the name of Jesus. If it has, please give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you listen on and share it with a friend so others might be encouraged as well. If you have never accepted Christ as your Savior and would like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301-724-5876. We would love nothing more than to hear from you. We hope to see you soon, and until next time, stay faithful.